Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. Hello, this is President Donald Trump, and you're listening to Linsanity with Howard Lindzen. I hate that guy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Linsanity Season 2. Really excited today. Chris Bruno from Rally Road, one of Social Leverage's investments in our new fund, is here in the studio. And we're going to talk about collector cars, investing, and Rally Road. Welcome to the podcast, Chris Bruno. Thank you, Howard. Listen. So, Chris, you're in town from New York. I am. Where are you from? Uh, Brooklyn. And you started, when it's my, you know, I'm biased. I love all our children, uh, <laughs> some more than others. Uh, one of my favorite, coolest uh, startups that Social Leverage Investment is a company, your company called Rally Road. So, so tell everybody, it's, there's no rush here. It's a podcast. A little bit about what Rally Road is. So I'll give you. I'll give you a little reciprocal. You're one of my favorite investors. Ooh. Not only in this company, but that I've ever had. Well, I we haven't started that. the Ambient Adderall thing yet, so we'll see how okay. it plays out. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But I'm gonna before you take the meds that we've got here for you. Uh, let's give us your first. Uh, while yeah. you're still on your game. Still on the game. Okay. Uh, what is Rally Road? Uh, Rally Road's a new stock market. Uh, basically, it's in a marketplace where uh, people can make investments that they were traditionally unavailable to them. Um, so we take high value, appreciating assets, could be a collectible car, could be a piece of fine art, could be wine and whiskey, could be a vintage watch. Um, we turn them into little mini public companies. And we allow ordinary people who could understand those investments, who are passionate about those investments, um, buy, sell equity in them and trade it just like they would uh, traditional equities. And why cars? Uh, why cars? Because you're starting with cars. Well, yeah, we started with cars. We built a platform to do any appreciating asset, yeah. um, cash flowing assets as well. But we started with cars because, uh, well, for a few different reasons. One of the, the mantras I always sort of went by back in my VC days and always was um, relevancy, differentiation, and can you own it? Yeah. And so for us, uh, collectible cars relevant to a broad group of people. Um, one in six people in, in America consider themselves a collector car enthusiast in some capacity. It's one of the fastest growing segments of reality television. Male or female? Uh, Is I think it's just a period. Okay. Yeah. And so the uh, one of the fastest growing segments of reality television is watching live auctions of these collectible cars sell. Oh, I didn't know that. What channel? Uh, Discovery like Channel. Discovery. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so, and, and even NBCSN is doing it as well. So there's a really a, a substantial following there behind these marketplaces. And they, you know, I, we're here in Scottsdale with you. Obviously, they have the big Barrett. auctions here, uh, the Barrett Jackson, et cetera. Yeah. And, and you see a, a, a sort of like thing happening where hundreds of thousands of people make their pilgrimage each year to watch this stuff sell. Yeah. So in terms of relevancy, we felt we had a broad group of people that would be interested in this. The media has done a great job of, uh, you know, creating this asset class over the past 10 or 20 years, and that became relevant for people. Uh, the differentiation is just the fact that uh, collectible cars are interesting, and we opened a showroom in New York City, and you put a, a Lamborghini in there with the doors that go up, and that creates a conversation um, that the media has responded to and that our audience has responded to in a really meaningful way. 
Um, and then can you own it is, is for us, it felt like a place where we could bring the best of the best to market day yeah. one. Yeah. And so the first deal we did was about $75,000 IPO. Yeah. Um, but for what it is, uh, a Lotus Esprit from the 1970s, uh, it is arguably the best one on the planet. And I couldn't say that for some of the other sort of new investment vehicles, no pun intended, where uh, adverse selection is a major problem mm -hmm. they have to solve for. Mm -hmm. And so we felt really good bringing these deals to market where it's best of best. Um, and then operating in a marketplace uh, like the collectible car market where, um, you know, it's relatively insular um, and it's relatively fragmented. Um, and in a short period of time, we've had that marketplace become super responsive to us, mm -hmm. uh, which was important, uh, you know, as you know, from getting the business to zero to, to what it is today. And so where are you today? Uh, 40 people. Look yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, about 10 million in assets under management, uh, upwards of 40. That's cars. Yep, yep. Uh, upwards of 40 uh, deals, and each uh -huh. deal is its own individual security, as you know. Uh -huh. um, so 40 separate mini public companies operating right. on our platform, um, all of which are trading right now. Right. Uh, and so on the secondary market that we have the first ones to develop in our app. Uh, so this is the key thing. People need to feel that there yes. is the that, that there is liquidity. So let's ex walk through that. I'm interrupting you, but let's walk through that and then get back to the company or, or vice versa, whatever you want to answer. No, sure. The, the liquidity we, we knew was critical from day one. So the two things we needed to solve for when we decided to create this business was one, retail access, yeah. which is if you're going to let somebody invest in it, we couldn't, we didn't want to be, you know, NetJets-esque, right? We didn't want to take something for billionaires that they do well and make it for millionaires. We wanted to make something that the ordinary person could have access to a great and quality investment. Mm -hmm. So retail access, share started $5 on our platform, mm -hmm. um, go up to a couple of hundred dollars. Literally anybody who's an investor can do it and be diversified in great stuff. Mm -hmm. The second piece was it's not equity crowdfunding. You don't invest today and hopefully get more money back five or 10 years from right. now. Right, people right? need to understand that. Yeah, yeah. and so we, we knew that for it to work and operate, we need to solve for liquidity. So give people the ability to sell those, those shares in the interim, but also uh, give a way to reprice the assets uh, that's democratic and effective, right? Mm -hmm. To have price discovery behind what these things are worth mm -hmm. at any point in time. And so that's the marketplace we developed. And so on our secondary market, uh, the way we operate today is sort of periodically, it's called a trading window. Yeah. And so- You get an alert, I get an alert. You get an alert somewhere between six and nine times a year, mm -hmm. each of the individual uh, assets, securities, et cetera, trading on the platform. We open it up for a day and it's like a little mini auction uh, where you could see the book build for people trying to sell shares and people trying to buy shares. Yeah. And based on the market clearing price, aka the price that clears the most shares at any point in time, right. we're repricing the asset and letting people to get out when they need to and people get in. Yeah. And so it's so is this super efficient for any like in the uh, ten years out, mm -hmm. what's you know, assuming you, you you know you've you've raised a series A, you've raised a seed round. Ten years out today you're forty people or thirty uh, about thirty. Yep. Yeah. So ten years out what could Rally Road be? Like, what do you see it yep. as? Given, like, you could pin your ears back and have enough capital and, like, give the people what they want. Absolutely. So, I mean, the, the way, so the one thing to understand before I answer that is just a little bit about the platform itself. Sure. And so we're a bit different than, you know, other financial access platforms um, in that we've had to solve for more pieces of the sort of value chain. 
right? You're building the whole exchange. We're building the whole, exactly. So we're we're the issuer of the securities where, you know, like Slack, direct IPO, right? Mm -hmm. We're the investment bank, Goldman Sachs. That's the advisor, the trusted brand that helps Mm -hmm. um, people connect with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're the stock exchange in the sense of the securities are are listed uh, with us. Mm -hmm. Uh, The access point, the retail brokers, the Robin Hood, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, As well as the investor relations component. So experiential, the computer share. Mm -hmm. And so to put all those pieces together, you know, we really believe we could create another financial system mm-hmm. where when young people today are talking about how they invest and how they access investments, Robinhood is their dashboard for, for equities, mm-hmm. Coinbase is their, their dashboard for crypto, mm-hmm. uh, and Rally Road is their dashboard for all the other things, the alternative that should be in their portfolio. That's where you see yourself. Yep. And I, I mean, I love that vision. That's where I see you. But there, is there not a possibility as to be, to offer, if your customers have $600,000 worth of cars or $60,000 worth of cars. Isn't there a world that you also could let them buy stocks on your platform? We could. You could. Yeah, we absolutely could. And 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 where does uh, StockX and GOAT, do they fit in as a fourth paradigm in here? I, th- I think they're, I think they're on, a, on a continuum with us. And those are sneaker exchanges. Yeah, sneaker exchanges. But, yeah. but for the most part, they're selling the entire item. And their sweet spot is going to be, you know, hundreds of dollars up to maybe thousands of dollars, okay. right? The types of portfolios that an individual could actually many afford. Many people are just taking ownership. They're taking ownership. Yeah. But they're not even taking possession anymore in many cases, right? So they're they're buying the sneaker, leaving it with GOAT or leaving it with StockX and just waiting for it. It's truly a transactional business because why ship it and take the risk on additional provenance problems or having it leave the warehouse hmm. when you could actually have it sit there and be something that is, uh, you know, they're truly just trading on the, on the, on the in the out, right? On the bid and the ask. And so they put a financial paradigm around uh, these types of, again, which are new asset classes that are emerging, um, but they sell the whole the whole you know piece. Yeah. For us, we're in the fractionalization space, so we're starting at ten thousand dollars, let's say, and going up to multi millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so giving people uh, you know the more aspirational, the things that an individual you know unless you're a billionaire couldn't really afford and certainly couldn't be diversified across. And so we started the company what year? Uh, in June of 2016. And you've raised how much? Uh, just over 10 million. And so with the 10 million, you've put together this team. Yep. It's a New York company, your full broker dealer? Uh, we are not a full broker dealer yet, but we work with several of them. Uh, and we're in the process of creating one so yeah. that we could control more of our ecosystem as we develop. And the reason you do that is trust and or just legally you have to. One trust is just, it's more about monetization, truthfully, than mm-hmm. trust. We work with fantastic broker dealer partners. But as the platform develops and the marketplace becomes more liquid, there's uh, more rationale for having additional licenses uh, in-house versus, uh, you know, externally to the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so we think it gives us more strategic advantage at some point in the future. So you're a, a retail direct to consumer investing brand is Correct. what I would say. And so, like you said, Robinhood's a retail direct to consumer investing brand and so is Coinbase. Yep. Is there anybody else here that's interesting that you see in other vertical, like that are doing something interesting in this space? Um, at this point in time, I haven't seen many that have gotten real traction. Yeah. I think a lot of people did an amazing job of opening up lanes for businesses uh-huh. like our own. So inspiration from who maybe? Uh, Seed Invest, okay. right? You know, I think they've done a really nice job, uh, you know, of, of putting that together. Yield Street, right? Yeah, doing well. Uh, doing really, really great stuff. Um, Cadre, 
Okay. Uh, you know, they're doing I, it for for real, real estate, estate, right? And so those are some of the businesses that I really I look up to, and I think they've done you know a, a great job mm-hmm. of uh, really trying to adhere to their underwriting standards to bring great quality investments to their people, um, to their members. Um, you know, on the liquidity side, I think we pushed it a bit further, mm-hmm. uh, and on the full retail side, I know we've pushed it a bit further. And so that's some of the stuff that you know I, I look to them as great companies that have come before us that have opened up these pathways, mm-hmm. and I think we've taken the next step in terms of keeping that that connection and, and making the investment appropriate for the investor that we're, we're talking to, which is the full retail investor. Yeah. So like I think about Seinfeld where, you know, Jerry's in the airport and he, like he's trying to book, I think it's, they don't have his reservation. He goes, okay. you know how to hold, you know how to take the reservation, you know how to hold the <laughs> reservation. So, so the question then would come down to, you know, like what do people want? So they bought this car. What are yes. they expecting? And what, how do you communicate with them of like how this product works? Yeah. Because the joy is that you push a button on a piece of a car. Absolutely. Fantastic. And yep. I, can, I can see my car theoretically at the store. But what else, or what else do you see is what people want with this product? So, yeah, they, they, want, they want, well, obviously there's that emotional side to it, right? Being a part of something. Um, and, and I and think that's, that's meaningful. Like there's the experiential component of it that you, that you hit on as well that is definitely meaningful. Coming to see it, coming to be a part of that community who did something together that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do has been important to it. But, but the core of this is an investment platform where you get great diversified returns mm-hmm. that are uncorrelated with traditional equities. So the, the pieces that we're giving them are ultimately, I think, most of our, uh, you know, the, the promise of liquidity is important. The ability to trade out when people need to as a retail investor is important. Yep. Um, the ability to reprice the asset in a way that is uh, that feels fair and transparent is mm-hmm. really important. Mm-hmm. But I think many of our members are thinking, I'm, I'm going to be in this for the mid to long term, and ultimately we'll have exits on the platform. And so we've even seen that to date where uh, you know some of the, the 40, 40 deals we've done have actually been transacted back yeah. to private you know, owners. Yeah. And so we, we ultimately expect everything on the platform to find the right home at some point and to do so when the time is right. Uh, you know, when the right offer has been cultivated to take over that particular, you know, car or watch or whatever it is in the future. But cars, I mean, you chose cars for specific reasons. Mm-hmm. And so the size of the market is what, about $100 billion? Uh, About $150 billion in outstanding collectible cars at and, this point. And in how time. much turnover? Because you chose turnover, this. Yeah. Is that one of the reasons you chose it cars? It is. Turnover is approaching $20 billion, uh, So a 20% year. of yeah. the cars turnover. Is this because a wife comes home one day and goes, if you buy another <laughs> fucking car, uh, I'm going to make you sell one car. Or are guys just saying, I have enough. I'm not using it. I'm just gonna, I love this car, but I got to sell this car. Limited, limited capital, right? Yeah. And and interest change, and they, they turn them over. And, and the, the crazy part about it is because- that's good. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the, the crazy part about it is, is most of the transactions, or, or, or the good part about it maybe even, is the, most of the transactions are happening peer-to-peer yeah. in some capacity because the existing mechanisms to- uh, sell these types of assets are just so expensive mm-hmm. and hard to manage and misaligned in many ways with the interests of the buyer and seller. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, you know, that's a little bit of the, the dynamics in that market that we can really address is fine. You know, bring, it, bring that asset to us and then uh, within a matter of minutes, you know exactly what it's worth based on what the investor population is willing to pay for it. Um, you could decide if you want to sell 100% of it, 80% of it, 50% this is cool of it. Part. This yep. is where you... you when you really start to start to see that scale, and, and yeah. that you know, that's where I think it gets to be, you know. Incredibly. But the guy could basically say, "I, I plan on driving my car because I'm like yep. Jerry Seinfeld, Absolutely. And, and the price will go up if I yep. drive it." 
versus you know Mitch Kumstein. Meaning <laughs> it doesn't work if that guy's doing it, but if it's right. if it's Jerry Seinfeld t- theoretically or Snoop and he wants to sell his That's, catalog, th- those act, those absolutely add value and provenance in that way. But but you know even Mitch can 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 be can be managed in terms of trust by taking the brand that we've developed and making sure we put rules and restrictions the way the asset is used mm-hmm. and cared for. And so that's uh, a lot of what we're working on in the background is how to how to build up the infrastructure to do that at scale and do that on a global level, uh, where ultimately we take what we've uh, what we've produced here, proven as worked, curated really effectively, mm-hmm. um, demonstrated sort of a new way of investing and, and sort of created this category of investing, mm-hmm. and then how do we take that and expand it and make it really scalable, where um, you know you just really change the way business is done in a lot of these uh, illiquid asset classes. And so one of the next phases is watches, or is yep. it the uh, Honus Wagner? Can we talk so, about any of the other stuff? Yeah, you can talk about all of it. So let's. T- what excited me was this Honus Wagner card. Yeah. So the new app, we'll, we'll do a demo. We'll weave it in here. The team will weave it in here. But um, so, so the adjacent categories here you see are what? Uh, the, the ones we're going into first, uh, sports memorabilia, mm-hmm. um, premium sports memorabilia. So things like the Honus Wagner, the holy grail of collector, you know, card yeah, collecting, what, basically. what, 70 of them? Or? They say ballpark 60 of them, but but you don't know. If a per- yeah. Theoretically, if the perfect one ever emerged, nobody knows what it would be worth. Got it. Um, and so uh, vintage. So none are perfect. Uh, no, they all have their own little yeah. things. I mean, the reason it's so valuable is because it was, it, it was kind of a mistake in certain ways. To and refresh on what was the mistake. <laughs> basically, the, the, the athlete, Honus Wagner, uh, didn't want his brand affiliated with selling cigarettes. Okay. Uh, and so they did these print uh, that was associated with, with, with the cigarette brand, and, and ultimately that's where the cards were affiliated there. And so he pulled his name from it, and as such, they only had – uh, a very limited number of them that got pre-produced got that can never be found now, and so because he wasn't like a famous player. I mean, I, I think I, relatively relatively he was, famous, yeah. Player. But you know, not, it's less about his athletic prowess and more about the being story. a part of the, the story. And and, and the so, how does this phenomenon. card come to be in your hands? Uh, well, so we're working with some fantastic suppliers, and, and uh, in, in this case, a collector uh, who uh, came about the card several years ago. Um, it's a pretty famous card, so I won't announce just yet exactly which one it is because they're okay. so easily identifiable. Oh, got it. Um, but it's got an incredible provenance uh, that even just adds to the value in the terms of the way the card came back to market, right. how it was discovered, authenticated, and where it's been since. And, and in the app, people see it's just like a stock yeah. chart. People a, will see the story. Exactly. People will be able to see who owned it. Exactly. Where it changed hands. So there's a chart and everything explained yep. this and pictures of your comparable card. asset values and yep. all of the pieces of the puzzle that we use to develop that investment thesis. So that, that's the core of the transparency that so comes with the platform. Theoretically, this goes public next month when you yep. do the public. You set your price, shares get bought, and then what happens? The card sits where? Uh, so the card, well, in this case, will will sit uh, in either a secure vault uh, that we've established for this type that they're caring for this in an insured mm-hmm. manner, um, or it'll be displayed publicly through one of our experiences. Um, so whether it's at a museum. Um, um, or it's at a venue because you could theoretically make revenue off that and share we it with absolutely the shareholders. Can make revenue off of that, and, right. and you know, as and we're we're already doing so in terms of the collectible cars and using them as effective pieces to uh, take to shows, uh, to sell mem- uh, merchandise around, uh, to build that community aspect of the business, which has mm-hmm. been really valuable for the for the membership. And what does the store do? I mean, I think the unique thing that I think what you guys do a good job, Rob uh, Petrosa, one of your partners. Um, is the way you've thought up, thoughtfully thought about how do we because cre- it's an app. Yep. It's 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 a complicated back end. So yep. it's a very complicated back end in the sense of customer doesn't care. Like customers just wants the app to come on, show me my card, can I trust these people? Buy, can I sell it? Yep. Uh, and you have to convey friction. all that, yes. which you guys have done. 
So, but behind the scenes, you've done some creative stuff around thinking through marketing. Why, why the store? Why Soho? Why, why, why do all this? And how did you convince your investors, et cetera, to do this? And, and what is it instead of? So let's yep. just walk through the store and what you're thinking. You, you know, like uh, the complexity of the business and the way you describe it is a lot of the reason why we decided to go with some non-traditional mechanisms, right? Mm -hmm. As we've we've told the story, the amount of trust that comes from seeing the actual asset there live, it, it's immeasurable in terms of the value it creates, both okay. with the media and being able to tell the story about what we're creating, mm -hmm. um, but having the one-on-one -on -one conversations with our actual user base to see that connection, see that thing firsthand and leave with something, that experience that goes with it, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just a much different, it's a much different platform as if it were completely theoretical or completely digital in that mm -hmm. sense. And so, you know, for us building a new category, um, you have to take the time to educate people. You have to take the time to have, you know, feet on the ground, as they say, having those conversations and activating our core, authentic, organic user base mm -hmm. that will continue to tell the story for us. The way you've done in the in the venture community mm -hmm. is the exact same way our core user base that we've developed organically over 18 months of doing this. Yeah, you don't want to pay for your users. No, you don't want to. And, and they're doing such a great job. We've got 400 of them in a Slack channel um, that we communicate with. We've got uh, you know, individuals who are on a first name basis with us regularly sending ideas into the platform, you know, talking to Rob through Instagram, through Twitter, through all of our social channels. And it becomes such a, a vibrant uh, access layer to getting good feedback loops and getting that, that feedback loop quickly mm -hmm. to help drive the product that we're developing on top of it mm -hmm. um, and build that connection to, uh, to a brand where people do truly trust us because they know what we bring to market is best of best. Um, and there's no better way to do that than to show it and have the conversations. So there's no minimums, no commissions, no management fees. Right. So, so how, will, how are you thinking about the business of Rally Road. What yep. is the business? So, so today the business of Rally Road is um, is uh, you know on the sell side, uh, being able to provide liquidity to the asset owners mm -hmm. um, more effectively and more efficiently. So we're bringing you know, we're giving seller and buyer, seller and investor. Uh, best deal and making a small piece for doing so for ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, as the business model continues to develop, it becomes much more transactional in nature. So as we've you know added these new assets to the platform, developed a secondary market, the transactions on the platform are growing exponentially. Mm -hmm. um, and at some point, transitioning from a model where uh, you know we're much more sort of auction based on the secondary market mm -hmm. to one that feels very much like uh, you know the Nasdaq or the New York Stock Exchange, mm -hmm. more continuous in nature, mm -hmm. um, is how we see monetization happening over time. Uh, and then also, you know, taking cues from uh, some of our predecessors, Robin, et cetera, who have done such a great job of uh, building a strong product and building a strong community who cares about that product and who promotes that product, mm -hmm. and then leveraging that community to give us ideas around what uh, around what features they'd be willing to pay for. What are the real pain points? What makes the, what makes the platform more valuable for them? So mm -hmm. developing some sort of subscription product in the future uh, you know, is core in the back of our minds of how we're developing product uh, around the business And there right could now. be something to the retail side too. Well, I mean, we're making money on that already and yeah. it, you know, it, we don't talk about it as, as core because really what we see it as is let's make the collection profitable first. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something where, again, it drives community, right? So that's not our money, that's the collection's money and the collection mm -hmm. belongs to us, but it also belongs to our members. Oh, so all that gear theoretically is, is theoretically, attached to one that's or a, not? Yeah. 
Oh, is it right now already? If it's a purple shirt, it's attached to that. It's or a, no? Yeah, exactly. What it is oh, attached it is. to the collection, and and that the the profit there, which which is which is great, goes to caring for the collection, and then ultimately, uh, you know, driving dividends for the community of people who are building this with us. Right. So that was the idea for Rally Road. Was, was, was so if I own the brand. if I own the car, do I get like a K one? Uh, it's not a K, not a K one. Uh, it just says if you you invested in traditional equities, you get your ten ninety nine. Okay. Uh, if uh, if you uh, if you get dividends over a certain amount in a given year, or if you actually transact. Um, so that's complicated. You had to build that whole back end. Uh, we did. Yeah. What's the average amount of people that own a car? Uh, average is probably four or five hundred individuals in a, in a given uh, security per car. Yeah, the most is upwards of a thousand, and, and the least is you know seventy or eighty people. Right. And so, is there a world where I can just come over the? We talk about this uh, like a Carl Icahn button where you can't. <laughs> no one could crowd. No one can buy all of it up front. Correct. You're not uh, letting anybody. No, we, we force distributed ownership on on the initial. So explain offer. that, like in the right. So uh, max, we max people out typically at ten percent, sometimes a bit lower depending on the individual deal. So we have that distributed base of uh, of investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if somebody wants to come in and buy seventy five percent of a car day one, they might as well just buy the whole thing, right? Yeah. Uh, so we wanted a distribu- distributed ownership on the secondary market. You can acquire shares up over time, and if you buy them all, you know, you could take delivery of the soybeans or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. At the end, there's no problem doing that. So, I mean, in the end, someone sees a car that they just have to have for their collection. They can absolutely. buy the whole thing. They and can't buy it at the IPO. They can't buy it at the they, IPO. During but the trading after, windows. They absolutely can. And we have, we've seen that happen very quickly, right? And in a couple of our initial deals, the, the, the holding period was only uh, four or five months on the platform. Uh, it traded once or twice. And then, you know, we the had that exit. The person called you? Or yep. the, so they called you and said, we're making a tender offer? Exactly. Okay. And so it's a little bit different than a, than a tender offer. It was running a tender offer on, on a, you know, $100,000 asset mm-hmm. is, uh, is is inefficient today. Mm-hmm. There are mechanisms, I think, that'll get better over time where we could have that true vote. Mm-hmm. But we've done, I think, a really uh, a good job of integrating the syndicate into that decision making. Yep. So they feel like they understand why it's getting sold. They're excited about those offers. And then we all defer, us included, because um, we buy common shares with everybody in every deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we defer to our advisory board to make that final go, no go decision for us. Yeah. And so you had this idea. You, what were you doing before you had the idea? Let's go back and talk uh, about just yeah. being an entrepreneur. So, so always in, in venture originally. Um, and so I, I kind of came into this business a little bit backwards. So my first job was in venture. And so I just had a really great exposure with some unbelievable mentors who uh, helped me see uh, you know, venture from all the different sides, from fundraising, from LPs, to deploying capital, to managing uh, funds. I really just got a really nice, diverse exposure to it. And I wanted to see it from the operating side because mm-hmm. uh, I felt to be really good at it the way you, know, you are today. You had to mm-hmm. really live it. Yeah. Um, and see it from the entrepreneur's side. So I've had a, a couple of different st- startups. Uh, one was a media platform, an online video. The other was um, a media investing platform um, where we use data to actually uh, you know, quantify media properties and mm-hmm. then put our dollars uh, behind them. And so you, and, and was this idea just yours or, or how did it come together? So it, it was an, it was my idea originally, um, but you know, as, as it, with anything, an idea is is, is really just yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, the team that 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 we put together are people that I've known for a very long period of time, uh, and as a result of that, they were very impactful in defining what the mission ultimately was. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea I had for for a car stock market mm-hmm. is is just a fraction of what we've actually uh, become today, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the timing around how to launch this. And, you know, is very much uh, is very much a, a reality of the time we're in now and what we've seen and the fact that we've been talking about this for five and 10 years yeah. and felt like it was the right time to move forward. The reason it works is because
because you know Rob, as you said, has been such a defender of the user uh, and making sure that our product delivers on what we need from it. And the reason it works today and the innovation we have on the regulatory side is because Max did the hard work with the SEC when other people were raising, you know, $100 million ICOs in a weekend. Yeah. Uh, and so that's really what defined what the Because the number one today. thing I got at the beginning was, like, oh, why isn't this on the blockchain? And I, I don't know what the hell the, like, I understand blockchain, but I don't understand it. Why, what, to, to derivatively explain to someone, first you got to do the leap of faith uh, and, and trust rally road that you're going to send them money is one thing yep. but then to say it's on the blockchain that doesn't make sense so is that the number one thing you get what's the number one thing that people who think they know your business <laughs> tell you yeah well, why is it on the blockchain why didn't yeah. you tokenize it and, and the, the answer is we essentially have right i mean we sell digital securities what's the difference between if it's stored in a database or stored on the blockchain mm -hmm. right you know you, you can make the argument the that database it, ain't broken enough ain't broken enough it, certainly at our scale yeah um or many scales at this point you know mm -hmm. many many orders the magnitude of that scale mm -hmm. uh you know for it to not work as delivered and, and you know to introduce to introduce additional layers of complexity when you're creating a new category just didn't make sense for us. And we struggled with that for a long period of time, but we, we I think, ended up uh, never, on the right I side of was, it. That was always what I, I just, I always thought that was the easy decision that you guys made, but it was a hard decision because you're getting t told a lot of things by a lot of different people. And so, so it's your third startup. It's your third startup? Yep. So is it easier or harder? Like, what, I mean, is there less pressure, more pressure? How do, how do you feel as a founder yeah. uh, a third time around? Uh, I, more pressure, truthfully. And, you know, I, my, my, my whole basis for this was developing a career that would allow me to have the opportunity to do this one. Mm -hmm. And so this is the one that combines. Because it's passion. It's passion. And I really, do, I, really do believe, I really do believe in the underlying thesis that shouldn't, people shouldn't have to be all in with their finances. Yeah. Right? I missed out on that. A lot of people I know have missed out on that because they had to make the decision, okay, I'm not going to do this because I'm all in, or I am going to do this and I got it a little bit wrong, so that's really bad for me, right? That's just not the way to invest, and I, I, you know, I know you think that way as well, mm -hmm. but that shouldn't preclude you from getting great quality investments, uh, especially ones you could understand and give a shit about, mm -hmm. and that was something that uh, you know, it was core to, to what I think should be created, and then coming from the venture world and, and, and seeing uh, seeing innovation get financed and mm -hmm. seeing how that's changed over time, uh, this is just my you know my dream come true. So the the obviously the the, the pressure and the and the risk and reward is, are all higher, um, and you know it's something that I, I want to see uh, you know happen for myself, my co-founders, my team, uh, and that's uh, you know that is definitely. And so um, so you look at it, it's like the one for you. But you know I've been there with you working on it, you know on and off. And not a lot of people understand it still. So it, it hasn't been easy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, I mean, so you've been you get told no a lot. So what? So <laughs> so how do you get through all that? Like, we yeah, the, we don't get we don't go tell no a lot. People don't just go. Oh, I love right. This. We don't it's get we like, don't go no a lot. It's we, not Robin Hood. We, we, we used to call it the high five business because everybody once they get it, they say, "Oh my God, this is amazing!" Like mm -hmm. I can't believe you actually are doing this. Um, but it takes uh, it takes the 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 desire to invest intellectually in what it is um, and to have the understanding of the underlying asset classes to really sort of get the aha out of it. Mm -hmm. And so that's been, yeah, I mean, and, and that's sort of uh, why we've made deliberately some decisions to grow more organically. And that's been amazing because we've built this core foundation uh, that's hard to replace, right? Mm -hmm. It's not easy to, to be all of those elements in the value chain of equity capital markets, mm -hmm. to find the right partnerships, to build the right tech, uh, to build the supply chain on assets, to build all of the pieces that go to make this function in a way that feels seamless to the front, you know, the, to, the, to the end user. And we've seen the traction happen there, and, and that sort of has built such a nice 
nice core um, that we're really accelerating against at this point. And what are the three metrics that you guys freak out about or, or monitor closely? What are the three things that matter to you? Yeah, so, so for one, you know, on the initial offering side of the IPO, um, it's sort of velocity of capital mm -hmm. formation is something that seems to get everybody excited. And also, it, you know, it's really core, right? And, you know, in the beginning, it'd take us 45 days to, to raise 75 grand. Yeah. And do 75 grand in, in you know. Because uh, I think people, they need to feel that they checked in and missed it. I yeah. think flash sales, so if we think back to like my wife buying pillows at, at One King's Lane, I would hear, and she's not into the stock market or anything. She doesn't invest. And I would hear her going, fuck, I can't believe I didn't get that pillow. I should have bought that pillow because they'd have like a 1,000 pillows mm -hmm. on one King's Land, and you had to like click to get the deal. This is a little different in the sense that it's only one car, but people will click and check if it's selling out. So you have yeah. like a different dynamic. Yeah, well, I mean, it's scarcity it drives it drives the asset class in general, right? And also the the, the assets are scarce. The the securities that back the assets are scarce, mm -hmm. and you know the ability for people to to get those are, are, is also scarce. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you know that that does in some way uh, in some way drive it. And so it's a metric that that we do follow is our ability. Um, we've been very thoughtful, I think, about about migrating. Um, you know, the value of the assets and the type of assets we do uh, as the platform is developed. Um, and then the other thing we, we track, obviously, is liquidity. Mm -hmm. uh, and so making sure that, uh, you know, price, price discovery is, is democratic, but also responsible, mm -hmm. uh, something we're really proud about, but also that uh, the amount of turnover we're seeing is considerable. So people want to sell, they're able to sell. People want to get in, they're able to get in. That makes for a vibrant marketplace. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are a lot of the things that we're tracking, as well as, the, you know, the standard things that any uh, consumer app would um, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, customer acquisition costs, conversion, et cetera. Um, and bringing people into the platform in a way that has longevity. What do those cohorts look like over time? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what we're really measuring towards. And then what about the car index in general? I mean, it's an interesting industry. Cars do appreciate. Mm -hmm. so there's a thing called the Hinkley Index. Is that what it is? So there's, a, there's a few of them. There, there's uh, the insurance company, Haggerty, that specializes there, does a pretty good job mm -hmm. of, uh, of following each of the different assets. They're a little bit backwards looking in terms of where the, where the data comes from. Um, there's, there's several other ones that rely more on individual experts. It's more like your... Uh, like your Goldman analyst, if you would, right? Mm -hmm. Giving their opinion and overlaying that on where things are going. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what we ultimately want to be, and, we're, and we've become pretty quickly, is a resource for people making decisions at the margin about the value of these individual assets, right? So you could get a real valuation immediately from a broad group um, and almost force rank it in that way. Mm -hmm. And that's something that hasn't existed in illiquid assets before, and it's something we're proud to sort of be at the forefront of creating. So you have, if you had money today and you, you live in New York, so you don't care about a car, if there was, like, you had enough money today to buy a new car today, like what's- A new one today. Just a new car today. Yeah. What is like a car that just makes you go, wow, it's a great uh, car? I'll be honest with you, I don't really like new cars anymore. Okay. I, the the art of it, it really kind of got lost in terms of you know all the all the EPA regulations and, and then um, the safety regulations and especially in the U.S. you know it, these are good things obviously and it's you know it, it's healthy for for people it's not good for the artistry of making yeah. uh, fantastic you know analog things that are mm -hmm. uh, important and purpose built for what they were. Is is there a collector car that you could afford that you would drive every day that you have your eyes on? Um, is there such a thing? Yeah, absolutely. So is there one that you have your Yeah, you know, so so you know Give me one, a couple ideas. Yeah, so one one of my one of my favorite uh, you know, marquees is Porsche. Uh, I followed them forever, and, and they've mm -hmm. got some of the best for for people who make they make a lot of cars. Truly, like they do produce them. Mm -hmm. um, they've got incredible resilience in terms of not losing money if you treat them nicely mm -hmm. and buy them after the initial sort of depreciation hit. Okay, so, so, if, you so buy, if you're buying a yeah. Porsche, thing you, is, don't buy it new. Don't Luda. buy it new. 
Wooter right. sucker. <laughs> just bought a new one. <laughs> don't Our next guest bought one. Right, don't buy it new. Buy it a couple a couple of generations out. Yeah. Buy a good quality one in the right colors. Treat it really well. Don't overuse it. Don't mm-hmm. abuse it. And you usually get all your money back, and you get incredible utility. That that was kind of a you know the that's the, amazing. What clicked for what clicked for me was I mean, was that amazing. exact fact, yeah. right? Like so you know it doesn't have to be a turd. No, right. But you, if you you buy something nice, you could take your money and you could put it to something where you can use it and not lose money, mm-hmm. and you could take the rest of your capital and deploy it efficiently against the best of the best, yeah. like we put on our platform. Right. The things that are impractical to own and are re- super rare should live in a museum anyway. Mm -hmm. And now you've taken your capital, you've maximized your sort of investment return and you've Mm -hmm. maximized your utility return um, Mm -hmm. for the same amount of money. And that's something that, you know, always resonated with me in this platform as well. How can you do that and how can you deliver those those concepts? Is there like a Honus Wagner of cars? Or Honus Wagner of cars. Like, is there this this rare car that is worth the most money? Like, what is? I mean, the, yeah, the the one of one in 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 collectible cars is, is probably the the two fifty GTO Ferrari. These sell now, you know, private sales upwards of seventy million dollars. For drivable, uh, oh, very much so. So people do drive. Yeah, absolutely. So seventy million. Yeah. So so but people and so what what makes it seventy million? Uh, very very low production. Um, incredible racing provenance, uh, the Ferrari Marquis, yeah. uh, you know, storied history, just and, and just a, a, an unrivaled experience of ownership that's just impossible to, to sort and what, of. And if you were to drive that, what would the upkeep be a year? Um, you know, honestly, it's not not as bad as you think. They're not they're not overly complex. Obviously, they're specialists. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, most people who have these do not uh, drive them all over on the street. They bring mm-hmm. them to shows. They put them on racetracks. Mm-hmm. So they do they use them in a very sort of specialized way. Mm-hmm. But relative to a seventy million dollar price tag, it, it, it isn't uh, appreciably different. The restoration process and having all the history and getting the right parts that can be incredibly expensive. And the those those prices, the restoration prices, tend to follow the value of the underlying asset as well. Yeah. So as that migrates up, it becomes uh, more expensive to restore them and more expensive to to make sure you're doing it to the caliber that people would expect yeah. um, if they're willing to put 70 million bucks into something. And who are you seeing? Like, so you built the app. It's an incredible app. You go to uh, Rally Road RD, Rally RD Rally in the app store. Or you can download okay. or Rally Road. Uh, you go in the app store. You free app. Free app. Uh, you can deposit. How little you can. Yeah, so you don't have to make a deposit until you make your first investment. But Got it. You but can, you can flip through all the cars. You can flip through every single asset. Everything's made. Everything we, we give. What's well, cool is now you can buy on the secondary market. You don't yeah, have to wait. Buy, so you have theoretically, to wait. you could buy on the secondary market. Yeah. You could wait for an IPO. We run them almost every week at this point, mm-hmm. um, and we'll be doing more and more as we introduce the new asset classes over the course of the month. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, we really you know part of the educational process is not uh, there isn't pressure to do it. You right. can see all the information. You can make your determination if it's right for you over time. Mm-hmm. And we actually see that people hold an account balance. They watch a few cycles and then yeah. they start to engage in a way that uh, lets them test the waters and they build account value over time. So that's uh, what we hope people will do. We want them to, to, to treat this like any other investment, which is an important yeah. piece of their portfolio. And what age group are you seeing? Um, you have to be 21. You have to be 21. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have, I think, relative to, to many platforms, a young investor base. Yeah. Uh, so our average age is about 27. And you know, we definitely have people, uh, you know, a, a core group of people below that and a core group of people in 
on sort of the you know the 30 to 50 year old range mm-hmm. um, and then uh, you know what's really interesting about the platform is in one in one asset what I always liked about cars and these types of investments in general mm-hmm. uh, they bring people together and so in one of our deals we could have you know the great Howard Linston and, a, and an 18 you know an 18 year old mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know a seven year old gentleman all in the same deal and that is that's something that I think is really unique um, yeah. that people could come together be a community that way uh, and do something financially that they otherwise wouldn't be able to and in an era where maybe there's I don't know is there less or more cars on the road in an era of Uber where kids are not driving uh, I mean in the end once a kid learns to drive they love driving they may have delayed it because Uber but my son didn't drive for three extra years and now he just li- once you need a car you love a car but have you seen a change there and just young kids do they care about this industry they care about yeah. investing i know that but do they do they are they just less interested in cars in general you're finding or uh, not not necessarily i mean you know i, I think i think interests in, interests are, are diverse right so you know many of them are interested in, in watches and collecting vintage watches and you know as you start to go down these pathways and and you find your way into learning about it that the the enjoyment is uh, you know the history of it and where it came from and why it's important and why it's significant and why it led to us having a, a society that we have today mm-hmm. uh, in so many ways so you know I think that uh, I definitely adhere to the investment thesis that the last of the analogs mm-hmm. uh, across many of this, uh, many different asset classes are going to be truly meaningful mm-hmm. uh, and important to us, especially as you see that acceleration mm-hmm. um, in, you know, cars going from uh, from something that's, uh, you know, uh, that you own and possess to something that's a pure utility. The, the cars in, what's cool is every month or so you can bring in a new car. Yep. So so you've come full circle. My, my favorite thing of the whole idea because you guys have thought through this, is the idea. So Soho, it's on Lafayette Street. It's on Lafayette, between Princeton Spring. 255 250 250. So if you're in New York, you know, if you don't want to download the app, you want to go kick the tires, you can go say hello to the team. They work upstairs. So you it's do. like office slash retail. Yep. Companies located upstairs. Um, and the you can go take a look at the car, buy some merchandise, kind yep. of learn how to use the app. I think this is the future of all types of investing, Great. right? You know, I, I, I walk in Midtown, I see an E-Trade store, and it makes me cry. It's like, you know, it's like the old uh, commercials where the guy, Indian saying, someone throws garbage out of the side of his car. It's like I look at an E-Trade store, and it makes me cry. It's like a lonely place. No one's going to go in and talk to their E-Trade person. But they have all this real estate, uh, and they have endless, you know, product. But there's no relation to the brand. Right. With this... The idea is people can come see the car. That's right. Come talk to the expert about the car. You're not being all things to all people. So I would really urge people to do that. Um, uh, congratulations on, on the progress. Not an easy, from from how to design it to make it feel usable by the consumer. You know, complex things are, are it's it, it takes a little while. Is there anything I missed? Is there anything I missed about the company that maybe I, you talked about or anything in? Uh, no, no, that's, that's right on. We appreciate that. Okay, so uh, I, you you got lucky. No Ambien or Adderall. <laughs> I'm taking it easy on you because <laughs> yeah, it's midday. That. We've got a long day ahead of it's, us. Right? It's it's midday still, but uh, you were willing to play the game, so that that Anytime. That, that matters the most. So um, again, Rally Road, the store. Thanks, Chris, for coming by. Thanks for having me, Howard. And uh, thanks, thanks for everybody support. for listening to Lindsanity. <laughs>